This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger. And today, I am absolutely delighted to welcome Jason Simpson, Jason fucking Simpson, to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Jason Simpson is an actor and voice actor who has built what I think can be described as a diverse body of work. From sci-fi fare like The Magicians and DC's Legends of Tomorrow, to games like League of Legends, Dragalia Lost, The Amazing Spider-Man, Dead Rising 2, 3, and 4, and Need for Speed, and animated fare like Johnny Test, Polly Pocket, Sausage Party, Death Note, Black Lagoon, Lego Nexo Knights, Ninjago, and Mobile Suit Gundam Seed Destiny. Jason is perhaps best known for voicing Kondo in Gitama and for voicing Viren, the best dad ever in Netflix's Emmy Award-winning animated series, The Dragon Prince. And head to the footnotes for this episode for a link to a YouTube fan edit entitled Viren, World's Best Dad, JK He Sucks, a compilation of Viren being the op opposite of an aspirational Pinterest dad. Kondo and Viren are very different characters. And the fact that both are popular and beloved speaks to Jason's versatility and ability. But don't take my word for it. Take the word of a close friend of the podcast, a younger brother, you could even say, who happens to know Jason Simpson pretty darn well, or at least he says he does. Jason, you will have an opportunity to rebut following this clip. I'm going to say a few things about Jason Simpson here. Um, now, provided I'm understanding that he's not going to hear this, so I'll say some nice things about him because officially, like, we're, we're nemesis, nem nemesis. I don't speak Latin, but he's uh, he's a hell of a guy. He's just he's got such a big heart, um, both physically and uh, metaphorically speaking. And um, he is so talented. His range as a performer is unbelievable. Um, but uh, not but but like in addition to that, that it's just what what people absolutely. Um, love about him is just how open he is with his gifts. 
Um, that's my child telling me to turn it off because my child hates Jason. Um, no, I'm kidding. My kids love Jason too. So um, just an unbelievable performer, uh, hilarious, um, fantastic uh, taste in food, um, almost got me killed in Atlanta. True story. Uh, so there you go. Jason Simpson, uh, amazing human being, even better artist and performer and teacher. And, uh, don't tell him I said any of this. If he asks, I just said, he's a son of a bitch. All right. Adrian Petri, everybody. So today we'll get to know the towering talent behind some of our favorite characters and find out, is Jason Simpson more of a Viren or a condo? Jason Simpson, welcome to the Waviar Screen Scene Podcast. <clears throat> Thank you very much. It is a great pleasure to be here. So uh, leading off, I need to know, what the hell happened to you and Adrian in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Because you nodded when he said that he almost died. Yes. We were at a barbecue place, the two of us, called The Smoke Ring. And we had finished dinner. We were outside. And we started talking to a gentleman who was uh, inebriated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was a tall fellow. A little taller than me, I think. Really? Um, I made some comment to him. He was talking about how he could have played in the NBA. if he. I made something about his age or... Honestly, I, I don't remember all the details. I simply remember him getting angry and I sort of sidestepped behind Adrian and just left him in front of me. <laughs> so Adrian famously not six foot four. No. So and you famously six foot four. Yeah. <laughs> so you hid behind well, Adrian Petriu. I wasn't hiding so much as I wanted to observe. <laughs> Um, wow. from, a, from a distance, but Adrian is a fast talker yes, and he's he a, he's a smooth talker and he diffused that situation very, very quickly. Um, I want to say that I was afraid, but I wasn't, I was, I was more uh, delighted to see that, <laughs> see that go down. But I, I think he exaggerates. He wasn't going to die. Um, the guy could have probably punched him pretty hard though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when Adrian told me that it was like a barbecue place in Atlanta, I thought no. that you guys got some wicked food poisoning or something. We did find out. Uh, we did find out a couple months later that that place was closed for having mold in their food. Wait, mold in their food? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I mean, what this tells me yeah. that you like to live dangerously. You know what? We're on the edge where yeah. we want to be. To quote, to quote uh, Pacino in Heat. So, Jason. Yeah. Uh, I told you before we started to record that I would give you an opportunity to rebut mm -hmm. the thesis, uh, which includes what I said and also what Adrian said. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about hearing yourself described in those terms? Um, do you recognize yourself in the words that we chose to describe you? Um, all, all the all the positive things, because I know Adrian speaks truth fully from his heart. Um, I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, I do, because I always want to be, a, a, an, I always want to be an honest person. I want my kids to see me as as honest and grateful. 
um, when my kids receive compliments, I want them to uh, to receive them with uh, open hearts and to be thankful. Mm. Um, I'm an emotional person. It gets me emotional thinking about it because yeah. I, I just want my kids to be real and genuine. Yeah. So I do accept those. I do accept them. I just don't like, uh, I get uncomfortable with that kind of stuff. It's hard. Yeah. I love complimenting people and telling people how I feel. I do too. But I feel I feel so awkward. I don't know what to do with my arms all of a sudden. If, I, if people give me a compliment, I'm like, yeah. so you have to like practice like receiving them. This is a great like learning moment for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. And a a Adrian is one of those guys who's always had such lovely things to say about me. And, and likewise, uh, I love him and he's uh always been very we, we hit it off from the moment we first met was it on iron man um because i noticed like well he was, he was yeah like, he, i mean he, he is, is don't tell man. anyone he yeah. is iron man uh no we i think we met a couple times before then <laughs> yeah and we'd worked on a few other things and just in passing but maybe that was our first time yeah but it wasn't really till the dragon prince where we spent more time together oh. and realized oh yeah we we like each other and then we were both dads and dog owners. We both, I mean, uh, we both love dogs so, so, so much. You have much. a dog? No, I did. I had two Labradors. Oh, the best dogs. Yeah. And uh, we've house, uh, well, dog sat. Marty's come and stayed with us for uh, a number of times. And so we're big fans of them. So anyway, uh, I, I love Adrian and I, it's, it's him speaking kind things about me is not uh, a surprise because he, he does that for the people he likes. Yeah. So I'm grateful That's for that. That's true. Okay, enough about Patrick. Yeah. And he did say that you're a son of a bitch. Yeah, so let's go back a, to that. just a big ass. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I'd like to do a bit of time travel. Okay. Uh, first of all, time travel vehicle of choice. Oh, wow. Uh, well, it would... Any vehicle? Yeah, I mean, we've had, um, there's, you know, from pop culture, film and TV, although Sarah Canning, like, she just decided she wanted a rowboat, like, just to take an old rowboat, and that would be our time travel vehicle of choice. So, it's really, the sky's the limit. Okay, well, if I if I could choose a vehicle that isn't known canonically as a time machine, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I would pick Optimus Prime. Mm -hmm. Oh. Go through time with that guy. Wow. Um. But if if it was a time machine, I mean, it's the DeLorean, hands yeah. down, you know, I, no doubt. I don't know if, you, if you'd be able to fit in there, though. Cause that's, it seems a, like... that's exactly why that's my second choice. <laughs> but Prime could make room for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Prime would. Okay. Yeah. So, you know what? Then we're going to we're going to go in Optimus Prime then. Uh, I want you to take me back to the prairies yeah. of your childhood. Mm -hmm. um, take me back to like a key moment or a key age in your childhood where we get a glimpse of the man you are to become. You know what, In where because I feel, I don't know if you found this with, with your kids, but like my kid, like especially like 10, 11, they were so pure. They knew exactly what they wanted, who they wanted to be, <laughs> what they like, what they don't like. Yeah. You know, so I feel like there are moments in our in our, you know, as adults, if we can look back and we can see like, oh, yeah, that's a good sign of of who I was and who I am. And, and you have to give the coordinates to Optimus Prime, though. Um, well, it would be uh, in Kelowna in, oh. in 1981-ish early 81 my dad and I we lived there for a year and a half and my dad and I were watching a, a I think it was an old BBC 
version of Frankenstein. Oh. I remember being black and white. I might have been Christopher Lee as Frankenstein. Anyway, I don't want to put images in there that weren't there, but it's been a long time. Um, and I, I remember I was I was actually quite scared watching this movie. And my dad... So Christopher Lee, if it was him or someone like him, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, it might have been an old Hammer movie with Christopher Lee as Frankenstein. I'd have to check. I kind of don't want to check. Because mm -hmm. I don't just... Check. I don't want check. it to be that. So I'm always worried that I'm going to look and go, oh, no, you're just remembering. You're just making shit up now because you're old. <laughs> um, but anyway, my dad uh, basically said... It broke it down for me. Um, said that's an actor in makeup, and there's a person with a camera, and there's a person with lights, and and there's people. They're just all pretending. And I had a very very clear moment, a real moment of clarity, where I realized what pretend that level of pretending was. Yeah. And I saw movies instantly different from that moment, and I knew I wanted to do that. And I think that's the moment my dad probably regretted because every movie we watched after that. Hmm was me breaking down uh, who was what and who was in what and that guy was in this and they do, you know, and he's like, just shut up and just watch the movie. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry that I told you that. <laughs> it was one of his least uh, favorite things to watch a movie with me because I was so analytical from that point on. Yeah. But that was, I think that was my key moment to wanting to be an actor, to be a guy who got to pretend um, for a job. It's interesting though that you you just that it was acting because from that realization you could have been anything you know in sure. the, you could have been a director a writer a producer a, a makeup artist you know like what about the the performing bug I mean it's one thing to want to be an actor on screen it's another thing to you know to or to be part of a movie it's another yeah. thing to actually perform yeah I think if you would ask my parents they would say that. I I was, that's all I ever talked about was to be in movies, hmm. um, to be that guy with makeup on in front of a camera. Yeah. Not about being famous, not about Hollywood. Hollywood was the receptacle. Yeah. You got to go to Hollywood to be in movies. And so I talked about Hollywood all the time just so that I could go be in movies. Theater, I had no other outlet. Yeah. So school plays. Uh, local theaters. When I moved to Southern Alberta, back to Southern Alberta, it was a bit of a back and forth. Um, I spent my formative years, as they say, grade six to grade 12 in this little town outside of Lethbridge, town of like 2000 people. So every play I was in, every play I had maybe a lead or a supporting lead. And I came, became known as the theater kid. Really? Um, and I knew that's what I wanted to, I wanted to be acting, but it, it wasn't movies. Mm. So... Were you were you from a town or an area where there were people who had, you know, pursued that dream, who had gone on to have careers, you know, on screens, big or small? Well, I think when I was a kid, a teenager, I think I knew or I found out, and again, I may have to fact check this, that Conrad Bain from Different Strokes, he played the dad, I think he was from Lethbridge. Huh. And then the gentleman, I can't remember his name, who played uh, Dracula in the Monster Squad was from Lethbridge or Lethbridge area. So as a kid, I grabbed onto those images. I went, oh, if those guys can do it, I want to do it. Yeah. And I want to come back to Lethbridge and be one of those guys that when you drive through and says, welcome to Lethbridge, my face is on the side. <laughs> you know, I got to ask, usually I do this question at the end, but yeah. I am just, I'm curious now. I'm struck now in this moment. Yeah. What do you think that version of you, that kid version of you, 
would think of the life that you've built and the career that you've built for yourself? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, well, you know, when I was 10, uh, I heard Optimus Prime for the first time. Mm. Um, so hearing the voice of Peter Cullen was, it, it just kind of shook me. And I went, I, I just knew I wanted to be that guy. Yeah. I wanted to be, I wanted to be the hero, have that hero voice, but I also wanted to be Optimus Prime. Yeah. So I've not achieved that entry in my bucket list yet, mm-hmm. but I am unbelievably closer than I was when I was that age. Yeah. So I think that kid would be pretty, first of all, I'd say, what have you done to yourself? You let yourself go. <laughs> Uh, but in, in, uh, with the, the jobs and the work, uh, considering those, yeah, it's, uh, I think I'm right on track because I had the, 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 the hopes of, or the ideal was Hollywood Yeah, and it just took me growing up and realizing, oh no, it's just Vancouver. Canada's Hollywood kind of? I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> not really. Hollywood, it, it's not that it lo- lost its luster. It just didn't. I didn't need to go there. Yeah. Because I don't want to. I, I I like it here. Yeah. I like the work. I I love the people I work with. Um, do I want to do more work? Of course. Yeah. Tons more. There's so many things I want to do. But I can get older and I can look older. Uh, but I'm going to sound similar as I get older. It's yeah. going to change a little bit, but I can still do those things I could do 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. See, you don't need Optimus Prime as a time travel device. You're just doing that on your own. So considering that you are, you know, you're growing up just outside of Lethbridge, don't have a lot of people around you who are, you know, here's the roadmap for how to go into film and television Mm -hmm. and make your dreams come true. What move did you make? What was some of the first moves you made, you know, outside of high school, you know, doing the plays and stuff to to bring you closer to your dream. I went to the University of Lethbridge yeah. to take dramatic arts. I lasted two years and I enjoyed a number of the, I enjoyed a number of the classes. We did a black box theater class. I got to direct a script mm. that one of the other students wrote. So I enjoy, I love directing. Uh, I love it so much. Um, and I got to do a, a main stage play and do uh, set design and prop design. And the, that, that visceralness of that is what, what I loved. But it was sitting out in the foyer talking to the actors every day that drove me crazy because they wanted to talk about Chekhov and they wanted to talk about oh, yes. um, the plays. And I was like, hey, guys, let's talk about Jurassic Park, The Lost World. And they're like, mm, movies aren't... It, I'm exaggerating, of course, but no one wanted to talk about movies. Yeah. Everything was play and theater oriented, which is fine. Just not for me. Yeah. So I only lasted two years and I got out of there and applied to Vancouver Film School. Okay. And that was, that was the step. So 98, 99 was my Vancouver Film School year. And... Such an interesting time to show up in Vancouver as well. You know, there's a lot of, we were having a lot of movies being made here. Sure, kind of like, yeah. the, you know, it was, it started, it was almost like that was a period of time where there was a lot more. Um, and I say this because my husband started working for uh, Raymaker Visual Effects at that time. Oh, and yes. So they were doing a lot of the dailies and stuff, you know, yeah. for these different films through there. You know, it was changing. Vancouver was changing. 
And yeah. you were, and you were here like Mary Tyler Moore throwing your theater beret up in the air. You're going to make my dreams come true. <laughs> oh no, that's doing it all. No, that's no. the wrong show. You're going to make it. Isn't that it? Yeah, I think yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah. God, I hope You're so. You're going to No, see I'm going back to Laverne and Shirley. Oh. Anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I realized at that, not at that time, I realized later, of course, that I'd missed a number of great show opportunities. Mm. Um, but that because of the time I came in, if I'd come, you know, four years earlier, uh, I might have had better, but I, I don't look back at that as as a, a missed, missed opportunity. I, I came at the exact right time I needed to. Yeah, and, I do that when I think about, oh, I should have bought, gotten into the housing yeah, market earlier. Yeah. So you can't do that. It's no. not a healthy way to live. I, I'm where I am and I know the people I know and I've worked on what I've worked on. And I, if I think about it any deeper than that or go backwards, it it all of a sudden becomes me versus yeah. everybody else and what they're doing. Well, let me ask of, this. Yeah. What did you find at Vancouver Film School. Did you find, did you feel like you found your people? You know, how did it compare to what you were doing at University of Lethbridge? Did people want to talk about Jurassic Park Lost World with you? <laughs> Do you want to talk about it now? We're Safe there, space. Were there movie nerds? <laughs> yeah, I found, uh, I certainly found instruction on uh, acting for the camera. Uh, I found some really fantastic people who are, will be my friends for life. And I've worked on productions that they've either written or directed and we'll continue to. And, uh, you know, even if it was just one of those people, that's something amazing because it affects your life in a, such a positive way. Yeah. Uh, but really learning the basics uh, of how to do the job that I do now for the last 25 years. Um, not a lot of voice training there, just a little bit. What I did get was from uh, Michael Dobson who came in and taught us uh, a couple classes and I realized instantly that holy smokes this guy is amazing and I want to do what he does and uh, so Mike has been through the years a mentor and a just a very very good friend and a sort of a guiding light now did you say to him because I hear this about voice actors mm. specifically there's a lot of generosity as far as as you know, bringing people along, helping people yeah. up and stuff. Like, did you say to him, like, I want to do what you do. Show me the oh, way. Yes. Yeah. And and how was how did he respond to that? One of the very first things he said to me was, "I can tell. I can see it and hear it. You will be doing this." Yeah. So he gave me great confidence. Um, I don't even know if I was looking for it, for the encouragement. I just knew I want to do this. What this guy's doing. This guy's got such a. Uh, such a personality, so open and he's loud and he's funny, but he's clear and he knows what he's, and I wanted all of that. And Mike was always just open arms. You're going to do this. Yeah. And sure enough, I, we see each other every once in a while. We work with each other every once in a while. And it, it's just like 20 years ago. Wow. Ish, 20, more, 20 plus. Yeah. It's crazy how you get to an age and you have to, especially when you look back at the early aughts, which are now called the aughts apparently. And you're like, wow, oh. that was more than 20 years ago. And you have to like, like struggle to do math. I'm there. I've been with my husband 24 years, something yeah. like that. So yeah, I, I understand that kind of math. What was your first time as a professional in a voice booth? What do you, what do you remember about it? And what mistakes did you make? Ha. <laughs> This is a good. This is a good story, as far as I'm concerned. Um, 
my agent had asked me if I did voice work and I said, absolutely. And I'd never done voice work, had no clue. So, you know, you, you fake, fake it, it till, till you, you make, make it. it. <laughs> um, so I auditioned for a local a Christmas commercial for a local mall and I got it. Uh, it was my first voice gig and it was with a guy by the name of Scott McNeil, who's one of Vancouver's greats. And uh, I recognized Scott instantly when we went into record. We'd never met. I did not recognize him for the reason other people recognize him. They recognize him, his voice from Beast Wars and G.I. Joe and Transformers and you name it, whatever's on his uh, CV, it's massive. Yeah. I recognized him from an Alpine gum commercial where he plays this narrator. Well, he's not a narrator. He's a, he's a, he's a, the, the announcer, but he's walking through the frozen tundra and he says, what do you do when you've got a bad cold, a coughing cold? You chew it out. And he, you know, he's got this goatee. And the, I remember seeing this guy in this commercial going, yeah, this guy's got a, he's got a goatee. I've got a goatee. I can make this work. And so when I saw him in the booth, I'm like, I said, you're the Alpine gum guy. And he, his face lit up and then he looked really perplexed. <laughs> And he goes, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone had ever, you know, put those two things together or, or noticed him for that. So I was pretty stoked to be working with the Alpine gum guy. Mistakes I made? Yeah. Um, I, that, I, I don't know if I made mistakes. I'm sure I did. But I watched everything Scott did mm. in that moment. Everything I've learned, everything I know that I teach comes from being in the booth. Yeah. Watching guys like Scott, watching guys like Brian Drummond, Mike Dobson, Kirby Morrow, Kirby. Adrian, Ian Ham, all my all, all my guys, my people that I call friends, yeah. uh, watching them through the years and sometimes watching them make mistakes. You learn from those. And uh, that's how I learned my craft. I learned from yeah. the best. Yeah. So I'm sure I've made those same mistakes, of course, and many more. But uh, I can't pinpoint anything from that day, just me fanboying and trying not to be too obvious about it. That was pretty great. <laughs> you could go back in time. You do the, exactly the same thing. I would thing. do the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you, we'll get back to this time travel in a minute. Yeah. Um, and, and don't worry, Dragon Prince fans. We're going to talk about Viren. <laughs> We're going to talk about him. Don't worry. Um, but, you know, but something you said about how you learned from watching others. A big part of how you learned is watching others. Yeah. And, and I think about what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, you know, from my friends who work in the industry is that a lot of the work that they're doing now is by themselves, mm -hmm. either going to a studio and recording on their own, or you know, someone like Adrian who has a beautiful, like tricked out, uh, looks like a nightclub, you know, yeah. with uh, the lights and yeah, everything, does, yeah. sound booth at home, uh, and and like, are are you worried, or are you, do you think that we're going to see, you know, voice actors coming into the industry who aren't going to be learning the same things in the same way because there's not the same opportunity to observe other voice actors. Sure. Yeah. I, yes. Th there will be people who are auditioning from home. Um, auditioning is a really solitary thing. Yeah. And it wasn't always. Of course, you'd go in and you'd they'd be on the other side of the glass and they'd give you direction and you'd get a couple takes at it. Yeah. So at least you got that feedback. Now it's, well, I recorded this and I think it sounds good. I'll send that in. Through the years, of course, I'm, I'm able to stand away from myself with an unbiased ear and 
listen to what I've created and I can send those in with great confidence. But someone coming in to a studio um, doing work by themselves, they do not have the benefit of looking across the room and making eye contact like yeah. this. So working with Jesse on the Dragon Prince, mm. uh, Jesse, Jesse Nicalia, um, he plays my son and he would stand on my right every single session and we would be able to look at each other. We'd be able to touch each other. Yeah. Right. And that was, that's not something I would encourage people to don't just go touching people. <laughs> but in our scenes, yeah. which were really sometimes very raw and serious, emotionally draining, yeah. uh, we could have that contact. And there's nothing like that because you, you learn about dynamics. You learn about pacing. Mm. You learn about, as soon as you make eye contact, that connection changes your read instantly. Yeah. Because you have that to go on. I'm not going to rush my line because I'm right now staring into this person's eyes and I'm seeing something different than I thought I'd see. Yeah. So I love that kind of stuff. So I think people, well, I, that was a long way around to this uh, answer. I'm sorry. Um, yes, people kidding, will. I love it. No notes. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I think there will be people who will miss that opportunity to learn from that. Yeah. You also have to be open to that, to being able to learn from other people. And I th any good actor is going to be. But yeah. we are coming back. I've, I think I've done three or four sessions in the last couple of weeks and they've all been with other people. Really? Yeah. Oh, that is, that makes me feel really happy. Yeah. I mean, in fact, yesterday I walked in and the people I'd seen the week before, we all just went, yay, we were so excited <laughs> to see each other. We're all in the same room. It was amazing. Yeah. That is. I'm. I'm so happy to to hear that because, as you say, it does. It does change things, which is Absolutely. why I'm happy you came in today instead of recording with me, uh, me over too. the Zoom. Me too. Okay. One more question then before we get into Viren. Sure. Possibly more questions. I don't know, but you know, I just like, want the fans to know that it's coming. Yeah, I'd also like to say one more thing if I could about what you said earlier. Absolutely not. No, of course. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely not. Mind <laughs> your own business. <laughs> Just to, and I'll make this very quick, um, being a film actor and a voice actor, auditioning for both of those in their in their mediums and working on those, um, the voice, and I don't want to say this against the film community, film actor community, not at all, but the voice community is absolutely full of the most generous people you will ever find yeah. to work with. Walking into an audition back in the day when you could do that, yeah. um, there wasn't, it was camaraderie. It was, how's your kids? How are you feeling? How's not, oh, is he wearing that? Oh yeah, I think I'm going to get this party. There, you get I, get, I got that a lot anyways from film and television auditions. Yeah. And that's not to say that that's how it always is. I don't want to cast a poor light on that. Auditions can be great, but people are in their zones. Yeah, And in voice, it's just... Um, I don't know. There's just, it's a, it's, I think it's a, it's a smaller community. It's a tighter community. You just get to know these people better and they become, I'm not doing a good job of explaining no, it. No, you're explaining that. It's my own personal experience, of course, but. It's, I mean, it's a, I mean, it even goes back to what I was saying though about, you know, the, the mentors that keep coming up in these conversations yeah. that I'm having with voice actors, you know, that it, there's always, it seems to be that there's always like one person, you yeah. know, who will like, you know, reach out and lift up and, you know, and, and that will start, you know, that's like the first step in 
you know, entering a community and then everybody, you know, moves together and it's really collaborative. Yeah. And no, I think you did, you did good. Okay. I'm not going to fix this and post this part of the post okay. at all. You did really Jason well. just rambling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other part. I don't know why I'm being kind of a dick. I think it's because um, I have Adrian in my head right now. Oh, and Adrian yeah. is kind of like Residual. my. I call, I We've worked a lot, lot together on Ukrainian stuff for yeah. last year. I call him Moloche Brat, my, my uh, younger brother. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a family trait. I don't know. How do you say young, stupid, idiot brother? I will not. Let me know say how to say that because I want to be able to share my feelings with him. Okay, okay, I'll do that later. Sure. <laughs> Carry on, sorry. Okay, so your first, I love hearing about first, or maybe mm. not even first, but most, that one of your earliest memorable voice gigs for animation, you know, like that where you're in the booth and you're like, I'm voicing this. Right. Character. And it's like you can feel that it's like changing the game for you. Um, well, I did a movie, an animated movie back in the early aughts. I'm going to call them the aughts because I'm old. Yeah. And that's what old people say. Very, very early in my career. And James Woods was one of the leads. Now, he was in L.A., and we were here. In fact, we weren't working with him live. His, his stuff was recorded. But being a kid from Lethbridge, Alberta, and all of a sudden I'm in a booth in Vancouver. I've booked this part in an animated movie. And James, I'm listening to James Woods. I'm having a conversation with James yeah. Woods. Um, I, I don't think I thought that would be earth shattering, that, product, uh, that uh, project. But I thought... I think I'm on my way. Yeah. It's I think a, I'm doing something that I'll really love and I'm going to keep doing more of it. Yeah. It's a BFD. Big fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. We we talk about WTF moments on this on this show and it's like, not like, what the fuck? This is my life. But like those moments where it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? This is actually my life. And, yeah. you know, that seems like one of the, one of those uh, for you. I didn't think James Woods was going to make an appearance in this episode. Sorry about so. that. No. <laughs> His politics aside. Yeah. Um, what What are some of the, uh, you know, I've had people on the show who have voiced like chairs and um, pieces of pepperoni and sushi sure. and things. Like what are some of the more like um, inventive or bizarre, you know, objects or well, characters that you have been tasked with voicing? <laughs> well, Sausage Party, of course, a number of uh, Vancouver uh, actors were in that and we voiced uh, fruits and vegetables and canned goods and so I think those really come to mind because people when I go to uh, cons or I talk to people on the street or wherever people are always flocking to see me on the street <laughs> um, it's either it's <laughs> it's either uh, the Dragon Prince uh, uh League of Legends, My Little Pony, or Sausage Party. Yeah, really? Yeah, and they always want to know about what was it like playing a keg of beer? And and I tell them the whole audition scenario, how that went down, and uh, just people voicing fruits and vegetables. And I voiced a couple humans in that as well, but yeah. it's no different. But those are probably the weirdest. You were a keg of beer in Sausage Party? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. My daughter Dream was asking me recently, you know, because they love Adrian and yeah. um, they've 
they I mean they're, they're just they're obsessed with uh, the local voice scene they're 12 yeah. years old and yeah. they're like oh can we can I watch Sausage Party and I'm like I don't think so yet and they're like but everyone you know is in that I'm like one day you, uh, you will see why and yeah. you know so that I have a feeling they probably watched it <laughs> like, yeah that's usually how that goes <laughs> You go into your prime and you see the show's been like watched three quarters. Like, who watched this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. you speak child. You speak adolescent. Yeah. Okay, Dragon Prince fans. Here we go. We're going to talk about Viren. What was your original response to the material? You know, and like, because I am, I guess in my mind, I imagine you all received the sides and you opened it and then there was light, you know, and like yeah. angels singing and stuff like that. There was some, exactly was it, it. <laughs> awesome. So we don't have to talk about it. No. But was it clear from the sides, from, from you know, the original material that you, you were reading that this was something special? No, no. Um, there's a character named Erebos who's a... Uh, He's a star touch elf and he, 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 I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. He's uh, a big baddie, although people love him. Mm-hmm. Um, people often do love the big baddies. Yeah. And he's uh, beautifully, beautifully performed by uh, Eric Todd Dellums. But I read for him and he was just called the narrator hmm. because his character narrates the intro to the opening of the first episode. And then my character that I ended up playing uh, was called the King's Advisor. Didn't have a name, no pictures. Seemed like a, I don't say run of the mill, but just a regular guy who's just chasing after his king to give him advice. You know, my lord, you can't do this sort of thing. And so that was a, a little small part of what the audition was. And uh, and then I also auditioned for a character named Runan, who's an elf assassin. And I wanted that part so bad. Well, elf assassin, come yeah. on. And he was British and I did my best British and um, I, I, I wanted it so bad. And then truthfully and um, embarrassingly enough, when my agent called and said, you booked the Dragon Prince. She said, you booked the part of the King's advisor. My heart sank a little bit. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm such an idiot. Because you mean, should how be grateful you- for everything. I don't know. You're allowed to be human. You're yeah, allowed to be but I was like, oh, man, I really wanted that elf assassin. Not the king's advice, the bureaucrat. Yeah. <laughs> who turned out to be who he is. Who he is. Who became and... the bad guy and who uh, turns everything on its head. And I mean, there's some dark magic there. There's like, yeah. honestly, if you have not watched The Dragon Prince, watch The Dragon Prince. Yeah, watch it. You know, but beloved by people of, of all ages. Uh, first time I tried to watch it with my kid, it s- scared the shit out of them. So we yeah. had to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. But it's not just beautifully voiced, but also beautifully animated. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about Viren then. Okay. A little bit more. Yeah. Uh, do you like him? Is it important? Because, you know, as I like, it's so funny that one edit where I did watch the entire six minute and 35 seconds of Viren, world's best best dad, JK, he sucks. And I'm like, oh, man, he's not the super nicest guy all the time. You know, is it important to like him or, you know, tell me about your relationship with this guy. Yeah, I love the character. I love playing him. Um, you can't you can't judge your characters. If you judge your characters, there's no truth in the performance. Because you're always trying to be better than them, than, mm. and you're changing who they are. 
And my, my job is not to make that character a better person. Yeah. It's to truthfully um, relay who they are, what they're saying, what they're thinking. Um, luckily, they can turn out to be, if I may, assholes and really you know what we can swear on yeah, the show right yeah. jason fucking simpson yeah that's right yeah there's his that. actual middle name that's my actual middle name <laughs> um and so i i am very fortunate to be able to play someone who is um so fractured and and has such uh his integrity is almost gone in certain yeah. as we move. I don't want to say too much about him because he, he, he changes. No, I'll say lots about him, but I don't want to say too much about key things, but yeah. uh, just morally bankrupt. Uh, yeah. But, but there is a part of him that does the things he does for the good of his family, for the good of the people in his kingdom. It's not just about him. If it was just about him, That'd be a little too neat and tidy really with a bow. Right now. Oh yeah, I saw the face. Yeah, does he? Yeah, because he, he wants his children to be alive and survive. He also wants them to go and kill other people. Yeah. Can he do both those things? Yeah. Is it difficult to bring that truth to light? Yeah, but that's my job, and uh, I think I do it pretty pretty well. Pretty great. Pretty great. <laughs> Love the interactions with Terry. Those are some of my favorite. Oh, um, yeah. What is, it, what is something that Viren has done or said that made you, I don't know, like, go, like, fall off your chair or, or like, just, like, made your heart, as an actor, made your heart sing or, you know, as a dad, made you be like, oh, jeez, not so cool. Um, yeah, well, yeah, in the first couple seasons, there was some moments where he asked his kids to do some nasty things. And I embrace those because I love that. As a dad, I would never do that. It's completely opposite of how I would be as a decent human being, as a father. Um, but uh, I love the fact that I get to play that kind of person. But you kind of finish going, oh, ugh, gross. Yeah. And then there was a moment in season three where he um, really just sort of gaslights his son. Yeah. And being in the booth with with Jesse when we were recording that, um, I think we had to have a moment afterwards. Yeah. Just like to decompress from it because it was, it's a very simple moment, uh, but it's this, you, you watch and you go, what the hell are you doing? Don't do that. Yeah. But I also embrace the ability to perform that. The, not the ability, the, the opportunity to perform that, to have that moment. Because anytime I can get people going, that's horrible. You know, then I'm doing my job. It's horrible. I'm going to make an edit. I'm going to watch all the videos and make an edit of six minutes and 35 seconds of him being horrible. Um, the the the, mo the best moments for me, though, is when he is by himself. Uh, there's been a couple moments, um, and there's more to come, where he has a... Where you see his true character. When yeah. no one else is looking, you see who he is, and he's broken, and he's in strife and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. He hates himself. He's talking to somebody else, but you know, I know because I played it that way. Yeah. He's talking to himself and there's tears and the tears are just me. It wasn't even, these are tears for Viren. It was just me afterwards just bawling. Uh, it's just so amazing to play that kind of person because some of that stuff is real. Wow. I've looked in the mirror 
and looked at the person I am and gone, I don't like this person. Yeah. I hate who this person is sometimes. And I mean, be if we're to... being emotionally honest, yeah. I think people who are emotionally honest do feel like that. Yes. Yeah. When and to be able to bring that to, to life and voice that, I was instantly in tears and I was a mess. I'm like, oh, I think I just had a nice therapy session there by myself. Wow. It's great that you can, you can do that. You know what I yeah. love too that you're talking about um, is the acting part of yeah. voice acting, um, which I think, because I've watched some YouTube videos and read some articles and mm -hmm. some, seen some TikToks, you know, that it's like that there might be this, um, say, I'm, it's getting to be the end of the day. I'm running out of words here. I, I will not fix this and post this days. But like, you know, this idea, this misconception, thank you. Yeah. You know, that it's that, oh, being a voice actor is about making funny voices. And it's not. No. The, and the Dragon Prince, if you look at all of the actors, the voice actors, they're incredible actors. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about the act of acting. Can you act acting? Mm. It's an act. Yeah. You're an actor. It's act right there. You know, like, does, does that ever, like when, you, when you're talking to, you know, emerging actors, are people like, I want to do what you, what you can do. I, I can do fun, like voices too. You know, and you're like, you got to be an actor. Yeah, well, when I'm not in the booth working, uh, I'm in a classroom teaching yeah. or in a studio teaching. So uh, I go through it every single day almost. Mm. Um, acting is acting is acting. No yeah. matter if you're on a stage or in front of a camera or a microphone, it's about finding the truth of the character and connecting with that. You don't necessarily become that person. I can't become a giant white lion uh, really? You know. I was hoping yeah. we would end with that. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> uh, but I can find what his truthfulness is or a uh, dark mage. Um, and there's certainly connections that I can make with the character. He's a dad of two children. I'm the same. Um, those are minor connections considering the rest of his life versus mine. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, acting Wait, is... Wait, you're not a dark mage? Mm, well... <laughs> I dabble. It's <laughs> a little dabble in, in magic. But it is finding the truth. Uh, yeah. That's why we can believe when someone plays a monster or a fairy or an alien because they are somehow showing us the truthfulness of it without without making... Sometimes we make shit up. Yeah. But we do it truthfully and convincingly. I believe you. Yeah. Dragon Prince, very popular. Very yeah. Very, very popular. What's in the secret sauce? Like, what? What? Are, what has happened? Like, what is the lightning in the bottle that has happened in order for Dragon Prince? You know, what makes it so special? I'm sure there are people listening from all uh, people in boardrooms. They're like, "Hey, he's going to tell us now." <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think it has to do with our creators, um, Justin and Aaron. They come from a diverse background of different uh, IPs, um, Avatar. Uh, Naughty Dog Productions, so Uncharted, um, different cartoons, uh, the Uncharted game uh, series. Um, we've got folks who, writers who come from Riot and League of Legends. So all these different fantasy, fantastical, uh, and then also uh, grounded um, sort of um, projects. They've come together and made this, created this world. They come with a fan base. Mm. Those, I mean, Avatar's got a, Huge oh, worldwide yeah. fan base. Avatar, um, the, last the Last Airbender, Airbender, for those who, yeah. Don't, I'm not talking about James Cameron's Avatar, of course. Yeah. Um, so I think, if I'm being honest, of course, the fans yeah. are ultimately what make our show what it is. We would not have 
all the seasons we're going to have without them. We wouldn't have uh, an Emmy yeah. without them. We wouldn't have, yeah, there's just thousands and thousands and th- hundreds of thousands of people who love our show yeah. and are, um, no, I want to be careful because uh, people are very, very attached to the show. Yeah. Very attached to certain characters. Very much despise certain characters. And I'm, it took me a while to be okay with being uh, despised as a character. Yeah. Because I want people to like me. But my character is unlikable at times. And that means I'm doing my job. Yeah. So, yeah. A long answer back to short. It's, I think it's really the fans that help us make it what it is. That being said, it's the only show I've ever worked on where our creators directed us through it. So they wrote it, thought of it, wrote it and directed us in our sessions and would, we'd run a couple times and then they'd say, what did you think of that? What do you want to do with this? And I had that look on my face that, uh, you're asking me my opinion. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that this character, I think we could maybe change this. And I think he wants to go this way and do, and they would take the time to think about those things and sometimes implement them. Wow. I was like, I've never seen this in any of the work I've ever done. The true meaning of collaboration. Yeah, yeah, they're very much so. Now, that being said, they had very strong vision for where they wanted to go. Yeah. And any choices we made or they made that included some of our creativity or ideas uh, assisted the writing. Right. Spoke to the writing. It never took it away from where they wanted to go with it. And I think that's just some genius uh, directing and creativity. So. You mentioned the fans. Yeah. Uh, I want to stay stay in this for stay with the fans for mm. a moment. Um, what's been some of your favorite feedback, you know, or or encounters with fans that you've had at you know different conventions yeah. and stuff? Well, I think I think when people do say that they hate the character for what he's done and said, I do take that to heart. I do love that. Yeah. Because that means I am what I want to convey is coming across. Yeah. So they, they see that and they hear it. He's not just a cookie cutter character and they see that and they do not mince words. Mm. I've had people come up to me at conventions and point their finger in my face saying, I hate you. And I've gone, uh, I think you mean the character. <laughs> I hope you mean the character. And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm like, okay, yeah, great. I love that you hate him. I, I agree. He does. He's done some despicable things. Uh, so those are always fun. Uh, it's people who um, also love the character and they, they cosplay. And there are some unbelievably talented people out there creating cosplay Oh my God, I got to look outfits. up some of the cosplay, Viren cosplay. Because it's his suit and it's his beard and it's the intricacies on the vest and they make the, the staff. It's incredible. And uh, I, I have nothing to do with the design of the character. Mm-hmm. I have no nothing to do with how he looks, but I still take great pride in that because they come up and they have this air. Yeah. This, the way Viren delivers his line. You know, they get their nose in the air. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what yeah. he looks like when he <laughs> says something. So, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of those moments. Yeah. Of all the characters that you have brought to life with your voice and your whole body, as you're really describing, it's a very full yeah. physical thing. Which one is, has either been like the most transformative for you or, or that you've carried with you? You know, which one is really like 
imprinted itself on who you are and how you do what you do? That's a good question. I mean, uh, certainly there's Viren, um, but before then, it would probably be uh, Rengar from League of Legends. Hmm. It's a it's too long of a story to tell about the 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 session itself, uh, but it was a it was a it wasn't an easy session. I didn't warm up properly, and it was a lot of gutter. I went into the session jazzed. I was so excited to be playing a monstrous character. I don't care who it is. I also don't care if they're going to pay me or not. Mm. They've got some big monster character for me to play. I want to do it. Because that's all I did as a kid. Walk around going, I'm a monster. <laughs> and I just want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was very, very, very excited to play that guy. Uh, didn't approach my prep very well. But I got through it and it sounds incredible. The yeah. final result. I think that's the one that um, I probably think about the most. I probably utilize that voice print the most. Mm. Um, I'm not sure why I utilize that voice print, but I love just sort of being down in here. You know, if I'm trying to scare people, my kids. They... I literally like my my knees felt weird and my toes like recoiled a bit. Ah, My kids don't get scared by it anymore. But, uh... And I think that's the one that's uh, po- prior to the Dragon Prince. That's the one that had a massive effect on people. Yeah. That makes it, gives it too much, I think. Uh, the one that most, a lot of people responded to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a great character. What, what is a Jason Simpson, a Jason fucking Simpson role? Like, what needs to be present in a character in order to, like, get your really, like, invigorated? Like, you mentioned monster. Like, is that a Jason Simpson role? Yeah. Yeah. I love anything that has... You know, Viren is really, uh, if I can say the opposite of what it is I love to do. Yeah. Because he is controlled and contained. You don't hear a lot of pre-life. He doesn't take a lot of wet breaths. He doesn't go, well, let me think about that. (laughs) Um, Anything that involves getting close to the microphone, getting guttural, (sighs) any of that kind of stuff. I'm in. I embrace that. It makes me giddy. Because, again, that's what I've been doing since I was a kid. That's yeah. what I got in trouble for the most growing up. Spitting when I was talking. Doing a lot of, you know, my parents think I'm in the bathroom hawking up loogies, but I'm just practicing voices. Yeah. <laughs> Quit spitting in the sink. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm working on my craft. That's exactly, yeah. <laughs> I said that when I was 12. My dad would have kicked out the door thinking I was doing drugs or something. But I definitely got that a lot. Yeah. Stop. Stop spitting in the sink. <laughs> and I'm in front of the mirror just making faces going. <laughs> trying do you to... still do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Looking for those kind of, or like, I was going to say looking for discoveries. No, no. But that's the... Can you look for discovery? Having discoveries. That's exactly it, though. Panning yeah. for gold. Can I find new ways to uh, engage this part of my throat and my lungs and this to get a different echoey thing or, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all constantly doing it. My wife's, uh, one of my wife's least favorite things, which I actually think is one of her favorites, is <laughs> when I come up to her and she's in the kitchen and I'll be like, hey, 
Oh, yeah. What are you making? Ooh. <laughs> Hot dogs. Yeah. You okay, know? you must stop that right now. <laughs> and she's like, get out of here. <laughs> I know she likes it, though. <laughs> so I got to keep I got to keep practicing just for that. Um, I have no comment except <laughs> probably should listen to your wife on, on this one. What does your family think of the work that you do? And I mean, in every generation and, yeah. and extended family and like, what, what do they think of this? Wow. Great question. My kids came home when they were three and six. So my kids come from Lesotho uh, and we adopted them in 2011. So they immediately saw two very white people yeah. who they didn't see a lot of growing up. Uh, and one of them was just holding them close and loving them and just a sweet, tender woman. The other one was also holding them close, but going, oh, my children, uh, you know. <laughs> and they, they maybe at first they went, oh, what? And then it just became life. It became natural. Yeah. So there's never been any, uh, oh, my dad's amazing. He can do that with his voice. It's They hear it every day, all the time. And in fact, it's, oh, dad, would you please not? In fact, my daughter sent me a text from the stage at her graduation ceremony saying, dad, when I get up there, please do not yell. <laughs> don't say anything. I'm like, yeah, but I had, she goes, don't do it, please. Because <laughs> I would have screamed. I probably would have gone, <laughs> but she knew. So it's an embarrassment. And my son is in this business as well. Okay. So he does, he's been coming to the studio with me since he was seven. Oh, oh no. He's been coming since he was three. Yeah. He's been working since he was seven. So it's all, it's all normal. It's all normal. Yeah. Let's talk about the, um, an elephant in the room. Oh boy. I uh, worse, but okay. <laughs> I want to talk about AI. Yeah. Um, which is something that uh, I've spoken to with other voice actors uh, recently because it's like, it's almost like I didn't know it was here and then it's here Yeah. and you have to deal with it. Yeah. What kind of concerns do you have around AI and in what ways are you seeing its presence, you know, either in your work or adjacent to your work or potentially impacting your work? Basically speak about AI while I ha have a bite of this cookie. Please do. Um, I, man, I, I know I need to be more concerned about it than I am. Part of me, visually, part of me loves some of the AI creations I see. I follow some people on Instagram who make uh, art that's very, very cool because yeah. it's visceral and it looks like the graphic novels I read when I was a kid. Right. However, they're not drawn. Those were drawn by hand by very talented, skilled artists. So I get, I get it 100%. I understand exactly the argument and I'm not opposed to the argument. I'm on that side of it. Yeah. I do appreciate the look of some of the work. And I'm talking strictly visual for a second, but I also get that it's computer imaging. It's digital. It's yeah. not been created by a human hand. Uh, so that's where the ball drops. Yeah. You go, I can't really appreciate that for what it is because it's uh, not drawn by someone. Um, voice, that can affect me that will affect me um, exponentially. Yeah. If someone is to copy my voice, 
and use it to uh, digitally alter, to to use it to sell items, to basically do illegally or legally. Yeah. Um, legally is worse because it's being sanctioned to use our voice, my voice, to sell something and I have nothing to do with it or say about it. Yeah. And I'm not talking about money lost, even though that, of course, is an issue. It's the, it's that this is what I do. This is my thing. Yeah. And now a machine is doing it. And that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's no good. That is no no. No good at all. Have you have you been cloned or scraped against your those that's the terms, right? Being voice scraped or being cloned. Right. You know, against your against your will. I have heard a little clip of something. Um I can't say for sure and I, I won't say definitively because I don't know where it was. I heard something on Twitter um that someone had sent me and then it was gone. Okay. Uh and they said, This is your thing. I'm like, what the that is my voice. Where did that come from? And I don't even know. Uh, I couldn't even tell where they might have got the source material from because it wasn't. It wasn't a Rengar. It wasn't. Yeah. And it wasn't a Virin. It was just my voice saying something. Um, but maybe they pulled it from different cartoons. I don't know. And then it was gone. So I this little tiny clip of something. Um, I don't like that. No, I didn't like it. I don't either. like that at all. Especially because you've, sp you've spoken a lot today about, I mean, you've spoken a lot, which is great. This is yeah. what you want in a podcast. Yeah. But you have spoken a lot today about the, um, well, honestly, the, the humanity that you yeah. pour into your work, you know, being honest and, and doing things with heart, you know. And I mean, there's definitely like, um, an uncanny valley sure. with the where the voice scraping is concerned. So stop it. I think that the industry, the industry, stupid industry. <laughs> stupid I think industry. the clip that I heard did not sound professional. It didn't sound. Uh, uh, it's it sounded really poorly put together and like uh, download an app from your on your phone kind of a feel yeah. to it. It wasn't clear. It wasn't crisp. It was. So anyway, it wasn't even clearly labeled as as my voice. So someone said, "I think this is your voice." I went, "Holy smokes, that is my voice." So I can't say for sure. I wouldn't. I would never say definitively it was Jason Simpson's voice, but I know my voice, and it sounded that was, was me. But I haven't heard it since. We're coming to the end of our time today. No. Um, also, because we're melting in here. <laughs> Because we don't have the air conditioner on or any fan because, you know, then you'd really hear all, all the room sounds and stuff. So it's not bad, though. It's pretty awful. <laughs> I'm melting right now. Um, I had heat stroke like more than 20 years ago. And so if I get a little bit like oh, overheated, no. then it's like it's I start I'll see like four of you. And that's yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's going to be a lot of you. Four of me uh, is a lot of me. Let's let's end with with joy. Okay. Where do you derive your joy? What role does joy play in the work that you do? In the, specifically talking about the work. Where do I find joy in the work? The work, capital T, capital W. Yep. Capital um, J, there's a lot of capitals. Basically all caps, joy. I think thinking about the different things I've worked on specifically in the last year or so when we were able to go back and work with people mm. and that's it right there working with people working with certain directors working with certain engineers with actors uh you know Cole Howard yeah yeah <laughs> 
Um, Cole is such a light. Um, he is such an incredible, you know, we were talking before about people who are just generous and always lifting other people up. Yeah. Cole is that guy. I don't want to say he's made for that because he's, he's so much more than that. Um, he's, you know, he's such a social, uh, such Socially an advocate for yes. social causes. Activist. And, yeah. But I think his main job in life is to lift other people up and to encourage them. So when I get to work with Cole, we were working on something in March that is not joyful. Mm -hmm. It's dark and it's, it's serious. And, uh, I had a hard time sometimes getting into these moments because we both had to be very serious in this horrible scenario. But we're, you know, doing little fart noises and smiling at each other. All it takes is a smile and he cracks me up. Um, so being able to work with people that I truly love and love working with is, I think that's the greatest joy of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my greatest joy is having people like you sitting at my Formica table here. Thank you. Jason Simpson, Jason fucking Simpson. <laughs> Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on social media, not in real life? Damn. Right. Well, my home address. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Langley. No one wants to come out to Langley anyway. So, um, I love toy traders. Come on. Yeah, toy traders. Half of yeah. this office is from to is from uh, Langley. This is basically a toy traders. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, well, I'm on Twitter. I don't. I think people are uh, jumping shit from Twitter. I'm gonna stay there till it's all the way down me I too I, I have to I mean not just to spread the word about the podcast but you know for f keeping up to date on the Ukraine war and yeah. whatever Adrian is yelling into the void I gotta make sure that he's okay so <laughs> I gotta stay there <laughs> um, uh, they can find me on Twitter um, at a boy Simpson mm -hmm. and for those who are curious about that or confused it's at a boy Simpson oh yeah, my gosh there it is I was wondering if that would. <laughs> Attaboy, Simpson. So <laughs> wow. Oh, I love it. That oh. moment, that was that was honest, real, and unscripted. That's funny. At a boy Simpson. Oh my gosh. I feel so stupid that I didn't see that before. Wow. No, it's it is what it is. It looks like a boy Simpson, and people go, well, I don't know what that means, but that's Jason for you. Um, and then Insta <laughs> Instagram is uh, at Simstagrams. Okay. Yeah. That one I get. Yeah. Or that one I got. Yeah. But add a boy Simpson. Oh my gosh. There it is right there. Add a boy Jason Simpson. <laughs> no, add a boy Simpson. Mm -hmm. Jason Simpson, thank you so much for being here. My today. pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you for bringing baked goods. Also my pleasure. I'm looking forward to digging into this. Yeah, you you can you dig in and I will thank our listeners. Mm -hmm. Thank you listeners. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. Uh, they they help us find even more listeners and we can keep having rad conversations like the one we had today. I'm sorry, it's just that I was Jason took a bite of mm -hmm. it's an apple fritter and oh, you yeah. just you look like you had, were all of a sudden being blessed. And I'm it's like so good. something happening over there, like he's having a spiritual experience. I'm so happy for you. It's from Brecca. Uh, find us at ywearscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at ywearscreenscene and at Sabrinarf. And thank you, Adrian Petrio, for sending me that voice memo. Uh, basically, within like five minutes, he's like, "Oh, you want me to talk about Jason Simpson? Uh, I'll I'll send you some of Jason Simpson." So thank you, Adrian. 
The Wire Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Rani Mera Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for putting our Patreon ad, to Paul Firminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Firminger Devlet for the original music, but Dane, you've got to know by now, you are a Firminger to me. Wire Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.